Sometimes when you're driving down the road all by yourself, you begin to hear a voice that tells you you need to look around, pay attention. Maybe something isn't quite right. That voice is me. It's the voice of Gord. G'day, everybody. Welcome back to Voice of Gord. Today is uh, Friday, January 26th, 2024. And what a week it's been. Some of you would have noticed that um, I was on Tucker Carlson's show. Hey, why not take opportunities when you can get them? Mr. Carlson had seen my work uh, investigating the issues with Canada's political prisoners, Justin Trudeau's political prisoners, the Coots Four, and wanted to have me on to discuss it because, you know, the Canadian media, lying shitbags that every single one of them are, aren't telling the truth about that case and are burying it. Even though, also this week, a federal court judge ruled that Justin Trudeau illegally infringed on Canadians' charter rights by imposing the Emergencies Act. Well, duh. We've all known that since the beginning. And unfortunately, the official inquest into it, which was a sham and was basically preordained from the start, reluctantly ruled that Trudeau was within his rights to do it, mostly based on a pack of lies around the Coots Four. Well, if you follow this podcast and you follow my writings enough, you know that something's fishy about this and other people who are professionally trained journalists should be looking into it, but they're not. You have to ask yourself, why is it an expat Canadian trucker that lives in the United States has been able to pick up the phone and talk to those guys and their advocates and find out information and nobody in the mainstream media with all the millions and billions of dollars they have have bothered their asses to do the same. Well, thank God for guys like Tucker who understand what time it is and gracefully gave me his platform. And I don't give a flying fuck what any of you think about Tucker Carlson. If you can't see that there's a problem here and that he was helping me talk about it and that we need to get these four guys out of jail and all you can think about is the hate that you've been programmed to feel about the man by lying bullshit artists in the media that's your fucking problem and i'm not even going to speak to you about it if that's how you will want to approach it pardon all that in commemoration of the second anniversary of the freedom convoy i'm bringing you a series of podcasts interviewing people who were involved This first one is with a trucker from Southern Ontario named Harold Jonker, who's the manager at his family's small trucking company in Smithville, Ontario. Harold and a bunch of his boys went to Ottawa, peacefully engaged in protest, had a great time, a life-changing experience, and then they went home. Ten months later, the Crown comes after Harold Jonker, not because he did anything wrong, but because Harold Jonker appeared in a documentary film about the Freedom Convoy and because their vindictive bastards came after him and charged him with a bunch of stuff after the fact. Ten months later. Man, those must have been some serious crimes if it took them ten months to come after the guy, eh? Anyways, Mr. Jonker gracefully joins the show to tell us his life story, how he got involved with the convoy, and what he saw there. All right, and while we're here... I want you guys to go through the show notes. I've set up a new Give, Send, Go account to help the Coots 4. 
It's called Trudeau's Political Prisoners. It's really easy to look up, and I'm going to have links for it in the notes. Now, there's a fella in Jason who's a friend of Freedom George, also a participant in the convoy, who's set up a new information-sharing website simply called coots4.ca, coots4.ca. You can find all kinds of information there, including in the events page, because there's going to be a fundraiser where Tamara Litch is going to come and play music not too far away from where Harold lives in southern Ontario here in February. Um, I'll, I'll include an image of that in my Substack, and I'll, again, go to coots4.ca to look that stuff up. Go to Give, Send, Go, Trudeau's Political Prisoners. If you got a couple extra bucks to spare, these guys are being railroaded by the worst ruling class in human history, the worst prime minister in Canada ever, and they need all of your help. Four innocent men have been in jail for two years. You guys, we really need all hands on deck to help get these guys in. Anything you can do to help spread the word about it. Um, I tried resuscitating an old Twitter account. Let's see how long until leftoid assholes get me banned again. At Gordon McGill. Do what you can to help me out there. And again, please spread this show around. Go to my substack, autonomoustruckers.substack.com. Check out all the interviews I've done with people involved with the Coots 4. Margaret McKay, Nikki Tom, Jacqueline Martin. Check out all the writing I've done on it. And then ask yourself, why is it that the mainstream media can't do something as simple as what I've done and ask themselves basic questions when you zoom out and place this, these arrests in the context of the political situation in Canada. And like once you dig into it, you realize these guys are being railroaded and thrown into jail to keep Justin Trudeau's invocation of the Emergencies Act legitimized. And it's all bullshit, top to bottom, the whole way down. If you're a if you're a Canadian that cares about where your society is heading, you need to wake up and realize what time it is. All right, I'm going to stop yelling now. Let's get to Harold Junker, everybody. Have a great day and keep up the fight. Oh, hey, one more thing. I forgot to mention, Harold and a bunch of other truckers have their own fund for raising money for their legal defense against all these spurious and vindictive charges. Head on over to supporttruckers.ca. Supporttruckers.ca, and it'll be down in the show notes. All right, sorry about that. Let's get to the show. All right, good day, everybody. Uh, welcome to another episode of Voice of Gord. I'm Gord, and this is my voice. The other voice you're going to hear today. Uh, a very special guest, uh, a man I, I look up to very highly, owns a trucking company in Southern Ontario, not too far from where I grew up. And uh, you, you've probably heard his name if you're in Canada and you've paid attention to the Freedom Convoy. Um, can we please welcome to the show, uh, Mr. Harold Jonker? Yeah, thank you, Gord. Thanks for coming on, sir. You, you and I have both been in the trucking business a long time. And... Both of us went to Ottawa, except you took a whole bunch of trucks with you and stayed a lot longer than I did. Yeah, we um, we had the pleasure, I guess, or the honor um, of being the uh, asked to to get involved with the convoy early on, and I signed up as as Niagara's captain. And yeah, we run a trucking company, and we got we run about twenty some trucks, and and we uh, had twelve of us uh, 
go up to Ottawa with us and, and we um, experienced something that has, um, well, it's personally changed my life for the better. And I, I think um, for a lot of people, it was uh, an amazing three weeks of, of peaceful protesting and communicating with people, reaching out to people and, and, and talking to people on the streets there has just uh, opened our eyes up to a lot of uh, suffering and, and, sorrow that was going on and and yeah it was something that was beautiful and amazing and and sadly our government didn't want to let it be seen that way and, and did things to make us out to be what we weren't but yeah definitely been an honor and a privilege to be there for people who don't know um let's start off with a little bit of your life story um you're up near Smithville. You've got uh, 20 odd trucks. You haul lots of flatbed stuff. Uh, I used to go to high school with a girl named Alita Henderson. And I think her dad used to work for you back in the 90s. Yep. That would be uh, Larry Henderson. Yeah, that was one of the uh, first non family members that my dad hired. And yeah, he's just, he was a gentleman that um, worked for us for quite a few years and was very thankful for uh, being able to work for a family-run business. And, and that's what we've continued. We, we, my dad started in 94, uh, and I started driving truck in 95. So you start aging yourself with that. But uh, 28 years later, here we are, and, and we're still running a business and running in, into the U.S. We do a lot into Pennsylvania, New York, and, and Ohio is our main stuff, but uh, we run all over the country. So definitely a beautiful country to visit. Just like our country here, the political scene is getting a little confusing and, and messed up with lies and deception. And yeah, we're definitely concerned where things are going. Right. So uh, your your family, before you got into trucking, as you say, in 1995, what were you up to, Harold? Well, I was in, in construction and uh, worked as on, on the farm wherever I could. I, I, I had two uncles that were dairy farmers, and, and um, I uh, worked on farms part-time here and there, but I was in construction, more utility work, and then got laid off, and my dad had started up his business, just one truck, and he said to me, well, you, you're laid off. Why don't you go get your license? And I started driving with them when I was 22, so the government... Uh, I was on unemployment, so I was able to get some training through the government, a, a government program, and I haven't uh, haven't stopped working since. So a lot of miles behind me, and and uh, the Lord willing, a lot of miles ahead of us yet. So I still I still love the road. It's it's way better than sitting in in the office. I can tell you that. So right, yeah, no, I agree. I uh, I was trucking here until about July. I was hauling logs around upstate New York and um, yeah, that sort of market dried up, but I grew up not too far from you. You're in Smithville. I, I grew up in Beamsville and uh, I, I worked for the paddocks there in Stony Creek is where I got my start when I was a teenager, learned the business, the old fashioned way, washing trucks, helping the mechanics, gre greasing trailers, working with the local guys, chaining and tarping loads, doing all that fun stuff at night and on the weekends and, I got my class A as soon as I turned 18 and I've been on the road basically ever since myself. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And, and once, you, once you have that, that, that road experience, you kind of have an itch all the time. Eh? It's just one of those things that you just, 
You love traveling the roads. And the neat thing about trucking is you get to meet a lot of interesting people. Um, you know, you you go to a customer, get unloaded, and before you know it, you're talking to a guy that's unloading you here and there, and um, you spend 15, 20 minutes or an hour with a person, and it's enjoyable, right? It, it, there's just something about it that you can't experience it in the factory or whatever. You get to see a lot of different things and deliver in different places, and it, it's just a yeah, great way to make a living. Not always the best for the family life, but uh, definitely for for an individual, it's a great way to see a country. Right, and you have quite a family, sir. Yes, yeah. My wife and I have been married 26 years. We've been blessed with uh, 24, 25, yeah, 26 years of marriage, and we've been blessed with 13 children. I, I've, uh, I come from a large family, Dutch background, so um, I always... Uh, was worried I was going to have more girls than boys, but no, the Lord blessed me with 10 boys, three girls. So it's just, it's, it's, it's an, it's, it's a blessing. Um, that's, uh, it's amazing. Right. And and you're a man of faith, sir. What church do you go to? Uh, we go to what's called the, uh, the Canadian reformed church here. There's a couple of American reformed churches as well. So Protestant background, um, it's a federation basically across the country here from BC Alberta, Manitoba, um, and Ontario is mostly where the most of the churches are. And yeah, I've been, uh, I was, uh, I'm very thankful that I was born and raised in a, in a Christian family and that, uh, God still has me in that, in his hands. And, and that's one thing that, uh, it, it's a blessing and, and, and it's a great comfort, right? That no matter where things are going in this world, we know there's, there's a purpose for it. There's a reason or we might not always understand, but our Heavenly Father has a plan, and He's uh, He's in control. Uh, I, I I sometimes wonder, may, maybe He spared the rod a little too much with our Prime Minister. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, well, I, I think his father his father did spare the rod. That's for sure. Um, I could say that. <laughs> I imagine. Um, yeah, it's definitely. Um, yeah, it's it's frustrating to see, right? When your country's being run by a drama teacher, you, you kind of know that you're going to be in trouble. Uh, but the, yeah, he's definitely um, he's definitely being controlled or, or influenced by the wrong things in this world, and has um, yeah, he, I, I believe he he thinks he's Roman Catholic, but obviously um, he, he he doesn't. He isn't. Otherwise, we'd have a different country here than what we have. Yeah, that would be a significant upgrade if you actually st stuck to any particular faith system. Um, yes. Yeah. So, Harold, um, tell us, everybody in Canada had a hard time under the COVID regime. Um, you know, maybe a little less so here in the States. You know, I married an American lady. Um, thank the Lord. I've, I've, I've been living down here since 2016. And um, two beautiful children. And, you know, um, I haven't really, I mean, I, I go home often to visit. My dad still lives in Stony Creek. My sister's in Grimsby. You know, I, 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 I go home frequently, but um, things certainly went south under the COVID regime. And um, man, was, was it ever different coming into Canada from the U.S.? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I experienced that as well. Like 
I'm I'm blessed with a with a big family here, so it was kind of funny. We would joke a lot around a little bit. I'd call a friend of mine saying, "Okay, guys, um, I might need to have somebody come pick up some of my kids because we're over ten here in in our house, so we're breaking the you know the COVID restrictions. We're not allowed to have any more than ten people gathered." So, and, and that was we were kind of joking at the same time. I uh, was able to experience the fact that. You, you you watch what your family's doing. Sure, we're, we're in a lockdown, but I, I got a little soccer field here with a with a soccer net. The kids are out playing. They're still able to play soccer with their siblings. And it, it every time I'd, I'd watch them, I, I'd go, I could not imagine not being able to do this. And people in this country can't do this. They they don't have. Um, enough children per se or they they they're in an apartment and it just really struck me that this what's going on around me is not healthy for our society and in, in so many different ways it, it's 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 an almost it, you, you kind of look back and you go oh yeah they tried to do this oh yes they tried to do that so oh, we dude, have a, yeah like, they, in my town so I, I live i live in ithaca new york and oh yep down uh, on 86 and the 13 isn't it yes yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, in between horse heads and Cortland on 13 yep right this is a college town there's a big university here cornell yeah um place uh you know uh, leans fairly progressive democrats whatever you want to call them and yep. the mayor the mayor of ithaca uh, i'll try not to use offensive verbiage to describe what i think of his decisions but like they they closed off the skate parks the facilities for kids they like wrapped off the basketball courts and like that's what people needed was to be outside and getting yeah. exercise um and they they went all in on the fear here eh? yeah yeah and that's what we uh seen here too we're we're in niagara region i was actually a town counselor when this all kind of started, well, I was, when COVID started, um, I was on town council and you, you'd have these counselors complaining that uh, people are ripping down the caution tape off the, uh, the playgrounds. We got to do something about this. Uh, the young kids are not listening. They're out and, and, and you're just kind of listening to these adults bring up these concerns and you're going, yeah, because kids aren't meant to be locked up in a house. Kids are not meant to be, locked in an apartment they're meant to be outside they they need to be outside and we should be listening to these kids right so the mayor and i were were the only two and of seven that were kind of going yeah this isn't right we need to you know um speak out against the government of ontario like and, and that's the thing like people um here in canada you we you use have a a, a two-party system there basically we have a bunch of different parties but there's basically the two parties the liberals and the conservatives and and the uh the ndp like to think they're the big boys too but they basically kind of always come in third and whatever but it's curly um, it's curly larry and mo and, and mo, nobody yeah. can nobody can figure out which one's more fucking retarded yeah well and that's the thing like we have a conservative uh, uh leader here and, and doug ford and he just he actually had the tenacity to say at one time, we're going to be the most locked down jurisdiction in the world. The police are going to pull you over if you are traveling 
to check to make sure it's essential what you're doing. So stay at home, folks. And thankfully, the police um, uh, regions all, all told them right out right away, no, we're not doing that for you. We're like the Niagara region, um, Durham region, all the regional police chiefs and, and, and stuff said, no, we're not doing this. So Doug Ford, sorry. And it, he backed down from it. So, and then even as a counselor, we're get, I'm, I'm getting phone calls from employees saying, you know, we, we I don't want to get vaccinated, but I don't want to lose my job. What can you do for me? Um, can you, can you stop this? And, and it really struck you that, that uh, this is really hurting people more than it's helping people. And, and that's what, our society forgot to do was actually discern what's going on and challenge the government and say, no, we're not, we're not going to do this. They, they, they just, and, and still to the, this day, there's people that say, well, the government was just doing the best they could. Well, no, they weren't. Yeah, that's, that's they, cope. That's yeah, pure copium. They, yeah. They were just, they were just passing off the buck. Nobody, was willing to stand up and and say this is not adding up and any any leader that did stand up and say this is not right was shut down pretty hard and pretty quick so right it, it, well speaking speaking of leaders getting shut down so you're you're uh working in local government in some capacity and yep. you are hearing about all of these problems and adversity and troubles that people are having. And uh, if I recall correctly, like I used to read uh, the papers back home or online, I guess. And your name kept popping up like right from the start as being one of the very few politicians in Ontario. I mean, local as you were um, saying, you know, something isn't right here. And you were given a lot of crap, like even before the Freedom Convoy came to town. Yeah, I I was not given as much crap as some other ones. So there was a, the mayor here in West Lincoln, Dave Vilsma. He he, because he's a mayor, he was actually on what is called our emergency operations center. Okay, so this if there's an emergency, um, there's a protocol and what happens and who gets there, and we set up a center to deal with this emergency. Well. Right. It was declared an emergency pandemic and this emergency of center gets kicked into place and he was speaking out and I was too, but I, I wasn't, um, well, you're, yeah, I was just a town counselor. So it wasn't that I was getting as much attention as him, but we were invited by a bunch of other politicians. So there was quite a few politicians that signed up, um, on a, Thing called the end the lockdown caucus and um myself uh, a counselor from uh fergus area and um randy hilliard uh, maxime bernier derek salone we actually met in a secret bunker in toronto trying to figure out you know what what can we do to to speak out and and who can we ask to stand up against the government and um, we actually decided that I think the first organization that we need to, or organization or first group that we need to ask to stand up against this and open up again was the churches. 
I have to be careful here because I, I'm an elder in, in my church, or I was, and I was speaking out there as well. But, you know, it, it was such a mess that nobody um, nobody knew what to do or was willing to do what needed to be done, I guess, is maybe the, the way to put it. And so there was a bunch of us that were speaking out, and, and I just happened to have a truck <laughs> so that I could get involved with that. So we we were going to protests in St. Catharines, and and when we could and the thing with those is right every there are thousands of people or 500 people would show up and walk the street of st catherine's i think there was one that i I, it might have been it was well over a thousand people and they just get ignored right there's one in toronto well we all have to go home at the end of the day so the politicians can go oh yeah that was a nice protest and the media can say oh a couple hundred idiots showed up right And, and the media definitely um, was working on a narrative that uh, that the government wanted them to present. And, well, I, I, like if you're your Canadian background, you know what the media is like here. They definitely get their subsidies, their support from our government to stay in business. And, well, who's going to cut the hand that feeds them, right? Yeah, and, they're not. They're not. So the, the, the purpose of the media, the free press, as it were, as yeah. tra- traditionally understood in Western society is to be a check against power by adequately informing the public what the government's up to and then acting acting as an agent for the public in holding power to account. Yeah. The Canadian yeah. media have it completely backwards. They are regime stenographers who do what they are told by the government and don't ask the proper questions and don't hold the government to account. Not one bit. All of them should be ashamed of themselves. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what it is. So there's been a lot of like, I think the thing to take from COVID is, is the fact that it, it woke up a lot of people to the fact that our government systems broken, our media systems broken. And, and sadly, in in a in a sense, um, our church system kind of failed as well. And what I mean by that is, you know, as as leaders of a church, we're supposed to be shepherds, right? Taking care of the flock. So everybody has to discern. Everybody needs to be reading information and, and seeing what's going on on out there, and and encouraging those that they're supposed to take care of. That hey, this is what we see. What's going on, and it it it's a little bit of a weird beast because you get so many of the generation above us that still trust the media completely and i still see that today i have older people in our church federation that just don't understand how a christian could go to ottawa and protest the way that we did and it's like well obviously then you you did not get the true story and you're not asking for the true story. You're just watching what the media was portraying and, and you're accepting that as fact. And we need to stop doing that. Yeah, right? I, and, I, and, I refer to those folks as CBC Canadians, just, you yeah. know, mo- mo- yeah. mo- the, the mother corporation that's always been there. It's always yeah. right. And just go along to get along and do what you're told. Yeah. So it, it's it's just, a, it's been a weird three three years. That's for sure. But that's what happens when you, as a society, we've we've gotten a bit 
um, lazy. If if I, if I I don't want to offend anybody, but we we've kind of gotten lazy in the fact that we go yeah we turn our TV on, watch the news, maybe read a newspaper, and go that's the facts. And oh, what's his name? He was the leader of Preston Manning. He was the leader of the Reform Party uh, back in the day, and when he retired. I'll never forget him in an interview, um, being interviewed by, I don't, I don't think it was a CBC top reporter, but like one of our high top end main reporters, right? And he actually made the point to her that said that, you know, you as media or as reporters love asking the politicians, what's our bias, right? And, but you yourselves claim to be unbiased, but yet you're not. Because at the end of the day, nobody is unbiased. We are all biased by what is around us, what we believe in, and and that's our bias. And that's what the media loves to say, well, we're not biased. We're, we're, we're re, we report things in an unbiased fact. And I know for a fact that they don't because... Um, I've run for the Christian Heritage Party here federally uh, four times, and we actually get training on how to deal with the media because we know that they're willing to twist our words. So that background already made you as a person realize that, hey, you can't always trust the media. No, and, hell no. <laughs> and now that that really came out in, in, in the well, it, it's, it's actually in the whole abortion issue, the transgender mess we're living in and this COVID mess, it's really amplified now. That, And I think people are waking up and starting to realize that, yeah, something doesn't add up here. And and that's where, that's where we as Christians need to step up as well as any good American or Canadian that, that cares for their neighbors should do like we need to be better connected with our neighbors instead of just watching tv or having our kids play video games we need to you know know who our neighbors are understand them and and have a relationship with them and and that was that's kind of been broken right oh like, dude look- so one of the one of the one of the things that happened under covid was the government like poured acid on all of these familial and community social bonds that take Yep. You know, years and decades to develop and you're yep. right you know like we're not just supposed to be sit around and be passive you know passive observers of what's going on around us we're supposed to take part in it we're supposed to have community we're supposed to talk to people and covid basically shut all that off and made everybody yep. afraid you know yep. Yep. So you, yep. you you see all this stuff happening you're you know, you're working as a town councillor. You have all this experience running federally for the CHP. You you see what's going around. Uh, how how was it that you be that you were invited to take part in the convoy? I, I do have to be careful what I do say because I I am under. Uh, well, I got two lawsuits against. Well, I got a lawsuit against me, and uh, I am charged criminally, but. Um, yeah, what basically happened is, as partners, like I, I'm blessed with a a brother and a brother-in-law who 
we work together as business partners and we get along great. We fortunately uh, or thankfully we seen what was going on all in the same light of, Hey, something's not quite adding up. And um, we were all actually serving elders in different churches of the Canadian reformed church. And we were discussing things all the time. And there was times where it's, I'd, I'd be saying, hey, guys, we do need to work. You know, we can't just be discussing what uh, what's going on in the churches. We've got to get to work and get some work done. But at the same time, it's it's important. So I remember at one time we go, yeah, what can we do? Right. Like this is this is affecting people so horrendously that, you know, what can we do as 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 a business people or as truck? It wasn't even as truck drivers. We were just. Always, so we we were going to protest. We, I was part of the end the lockdown caucus, and I don't remember which one of us. I I know it wasn't me. It was either my brother or my brother in law that found a uh, TikTok or something on on the internet about this convoy that was going to start. I ended up making the phone call to a uh, Bridget Beltran to uh, see kind of what they were thinking of doing and yeah had a conversation with her and I said okay that's we're definitely interested but I, I do want to talk to somebody else and then I talked to a James Bowder and when when we I finished talking to him it's like yeah I I called Bridget back and I said yes put me up as Negra's captain um and the only reason why I ended up being captain versus my brother or my brother-in-law is, is my job is as president of Jonker Trucking I I don't dispatch as I don't sit at a desk. My brother-in-law does the desk work. My brother does the dispatching. So I'm the guy that, you know, gets parts for the guys when they come into the yard or I, I go do a truck run or I work in the shop or I do some office work. So I, I got flexibility. And so that's why I ended up being Nagra's captain. And um, it actually blew me away the first week and a half before we even left. How many people were calling expressing their their excitement in the fact that there's finally something that's going to give them hope and when you look back you just kind of like wow this is pretty sad that it's the truck drivers that are giving people hope right and that's that's what bothers me it, it it's not that truck drivers don't you know we're we're a great bunch of people we we are hard-working men that's why we drive truck but we also we're independent thinkers in, in a sense. That's why a lot of us love driving truck, right? We don't have somebody breathing over our shoulder 24-7, even though we all have to run with e-logs now. But um, so, yeah, you it's just a different mindset of people that are doing this, right? And we just like, yeah, this is not right. We care about the people that we haul to. We meet a lot of people and we care about our community and we care about our country. And, and this is not good. So, it was just amazing how many people, yeah, expressed that, right? That last hope, you're our, you're you're gonna fix this. And yeah, there was just constant, constant emails and phone calls before we left saying, Thank you for what you're doing. You guys are gonna make a difference. And uh yeah, it, it's it was just kind of weird how it all came about, but it, it's amazing how it did, right? Yeah, I remember I I drove to Ottawa to express solidarity with you guys and all of my fellow truckers and Canadians. And I was out on a overpass near Almonte carp area, West of Ottawa. 
and uh, with some of my friends, and we welcomed the Western convoy into town when it showed up on that Saturday. Yeah, and literally thousands of people on one single overpass and i have to imagine it was like that on every other one all the rest of the way into town and i was just floored and it struck me immediately that this is not even about the truckers this is about no. a rift and uh, a deep pain in canadian society that yeah. needed to be addressed and it was yep. the truckers that were addressing it. And everyone was full of joy and happiness uh, on that day. Like I have never experienced in my entire life. Yeah. No, it was amazing. Like we left Fort Erie 7.30. No, was it 6.30? I think I got in there. I think we were supposed to leave at 6.30. I can't remember the date. I'd have to look it up. But um I remember taking phone calls from these ladies that wanted a service coffee and get us a breakfast in the morning on the, uh, before we left. And well, how many people do you think are coming? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm getting phone calls, but I don't know exactly how many people. Um, well, do you think it's 50? I'm like, yeah, I think you better count on more than 50. Do you think it's going to be a hundred? Uh, I don't know. And you actually nailed it when you said it wasn't just the truck drivers. When we pulled into the truck stop in Fort Erie, and then the next one was at the Husky in St. Catharines, when we pulled into there even too, the amount of cars that were there with flags on already, and you're just like, okay, I don't even know how many trucks are here, let alone how many cars are going to follow us. And that's what um, that's what I think fooled the... Uh, the politicians and the police, when we, we started showing up, it wasn't, it's like, no, this isn't just truck drivers. And I missed, like we came in a day earlier and got all parked by the, uh, the, where the police told us to park and then, and then moved to a camp. Some of us later and whatever, but to see the amount of people on the bridges was just like, I, I, I just remember leaving the Husky coming underneath and then looking up and going, Pokey. that's a lot of people on that bridge and then i i still love seeing my i, I can still see these hockey sticks with the flags that tied to it that's like oh this is so canadian minus 12 minus whatever it was that day and they're out there on a bridge with nothing to protect them from the wind and just when we when i came underneath that bridge i was driving a cab over and I just remember I gave them the thumbs up and the bridge erupted and I'm like, they can see me. Well, I can see them. Duh. Right. Like, <laughs> like right? to see every bridge just all of a sudden yeah! and the flag would start flagging, waving away. And it was just, it, it was, it was the perfect time in an ugly storm. It, it, it just ended up being that way. God guided it for whatever. It, and, and it was just, we were all just thinking, okay, we're going to have a nice Christmas. And they locked it down again. And, and people were at the point. And I actually, um, now you look back and you go, I, I'm very thankful that it happened. Because I've had probably 10 people, 10 people say to me, you guys saved my life. And to be holding a 60-year-old lady in your arms as she's sobbing 
this is like only three, four months ago. She goes, if you guys hadn't have done what you did, I wouldn't be here today. And she told me her story and it was just like unbelievable. She had basically called her friends and said, I'm leaving. I can't take this anymore. I'm gone. And one of her friends had heard about the convoy coming. She, and her friend said, no, don't do it. Don't kill yourself. A couple of days, the truck drivers are coming. And she said, when I got on the bridge in Mississauga and realized that I was not alone, you don't understand what that did for me. It just lifted me up and I'm still here today. And that's what our politicians and our media is disconnected with. They are not, um, they're, they're disconnected from, from the people that they're supposed to represent or that they're supposed to report to. And, and I think even some church leaders are still disconnected with the, uh, with the world, right? Like as church leaders, you have to take care of your sheep, but you also have to be a light out to the world. And I think there's a bit of a disconnect that we don't realize how hard it was for society and on how unhealthy it was. Yeah, clearly. And clearly many people were pushed to the edge and um, yeah, war warms the cockles of my heart to, to hear that yeah. story. Yeah. Um, and, and many such cases. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that lady, Donna Laframbois, who's uh, putting yeah. this book together. Thank you, truckers. Yeah. She came on my show a few months ago. I've been yeah. following her uh, Substack. She dribs out little stories. She did a whole section yeah. on you guys. And yeah. um, well, the whole reason I got into this business, like I'm not a professional writer. You know, I'm, I'm just like you, man. I've been a trucker most of my life. Uh, when I came back to New York <laughs> after seeing what I saw in Ottawa, and then the government going into overdrive to try and lie to everybody about what our aims were and what the truckers were about, I had to fight back against that in some way because it was yeah. just it was just all bunk, you know. Yeah, yeah. And uh, here we are, and and I've heard so many stories now and got to meet so many awesome people that took part in this and I'm just trying yeah. to document it in the best way that I can. Yeah. Um, so you, you went to Ottawa, you and a bunch of your boys were there. Eventually you left and the freedom convoy got crushed uh, under the emergency yeah. measures act. And uh, a lot of weird things have been going on in the aftermath. And one of the things that I, you know, again, watching from afar here in my new home in the United States is was the sort of like the the vindictive um, treatment of everybody involved and, you know, arresting Tamara Lynch twice, um, you know, the, the bank account freezing, all that stuff. And then as I understand it, your story, Harold, this young guy, uh, made a documentary movie that was called uh, Unacceptable Views. Yep. And you were featured in it fairly prominently. And correct me if I'm wrong here, but that film comes out almost a year later, like 10 months after the Freedom Convoy. And then within a couple of weeks of this 
documentary being released, the government comes and lays a bunch bunch of charges against you related to the convoy. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I don't know how much time you have, but yeah, it was basically I think the gentleman you're talking about is a young gentleman that was out of Stony Creek in the, um, um, I think he was doing music videos and all of a sudden he couldn't work because he's on vac. It just crushed him. Right. And, and it just, so he, um, same as you, Hey, what can I do to make a difference? And he, he did this, um, documentary and, um, I, I think he did a really good job and, it's just amazing that there's been so many other of them that have come out as well. Um, but he, um, he actually um, came to our shop with his dad, I believe. And then um, just to, just to connect with us at first and, and kind of, what would you think? And it's like, yeah, I, we can do it. I'll, I'll do an interview with you and stuff like that. And I gave him a ride in, in one of our trucks, just, you know, I said, Hey, we want to go for a ride. I've never, and, and, just to be able to do that now is is what's made it all worth it, right? That you can share a bit of joy with people in this dark world is is just amazing. And um, and then I also kind of got into um, I, I we did a little convoy for a, a gentle uh, gentleman. Wow, she, if she heard me say that, she'd be mad at me. Christine Anderson, the European Parliament uh, member from Germany. Yes. And she came to Canada and I did a I we did a convoy for her and I had her in my truck for uh two hours from giving her a ride and we did a bit of a people say, Well, that's why you got charged now, because you gave that lady a ride. Um I we can only guess, right? Um that's one thing that the lawyer's um well, the, wondering the, himself, the, right? The, but, the point is is that w whether it was because you appeared in that documentary which was extremely sympathetic and I think caught the emotional outpouring that people experienced during the convoy. That film caught it quite well. So whether it was that your appearance in yeah. that film or your giving uh, Ms. Anderson a ride, either way, the fact that they came at you with these charges yeah. after the fact is to punish you. It's not because you did anything wrong, yeah. right? Like this, I I, yeah. I refer to Justin Trudeau and his administration as venal and vindictive. That's like my favorite way to describe them. And every time I meet someone or hear some story about someone being punished by the state, like that's what I come back to because that's all it is. They're just being vindictive. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. And and you you, you see it already happening with this, the protests against like with Hamas and Israel and, and that's a whole mess and we don't want to get into because that one's hard to understand. But um there's just another incident and I can't remember where it was, but um what they have rested us for or charged us for was was actually a protest that was that made world history. Three weeks of joy and peace. And they they couldn't break it. In, in the in the normal way that they can break up a protest so they had to be they had to stoop to a an emergency act that was definitely abused um there was no emergency there never was and um and then to keep coming after people you just kind of go yeah they're 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 we've 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 upset their basket and i think what they fail to realize is that 
when when you get pushed you can only push you can only get take pushing so long and then you go no i i i'm gonna stand up for my rights and um and say this is enough and um and that's what happened and then yeah now they're going after the people that dare to speak up or have a a bit of a voice or whatever you want to call it or and i don't even have social media so I'm, i'm kind of a quiet gentleman that way but um you just say, yeah, no, this is enough. So um, there's definitely underlying reasons to why we're being charged. And it's actually pretty um, pretty sad to see the justice system doing what they're doing to people that peacefully protested for three weeks, worked with the police, respected the police every single day, and yet now we're being punished. And it's sad. Yeah, very much so. And where uh where exactly are you in the proceedings of your charges? Like where where are you guys in that process right now? Um we're basically still waiting for a a trial date. Um my lawyer's telling me um well the lawyer told me right away don't expect anything till fall or winter of 2024. So I'm not too worried. I have a big family. You got to keep life. Life goes on. So you don't try to worry about it too much. I'm, I'm fortunate that uh, the, the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms is willing to uh, help me with the with a lawyer there. And so we're still waiting to find out a date. We do have a motion that we're going to try to move my trial out of Ottawa. That's going to happen on January 2nd. So that's coming up pretty soon. And then from there, we'll find out if uh, if it gets moved when that court area can make room for uh, a, a a case or if it's still going to be in Ottawa. So, but you're watching what's going on in Ottawa. And, and I, I know with uh, the other case that's going on right now with Chris Barber and Tamara Leach, th- they're running out of courtroom. They're running out of court time constantly. And, and yet they have uh, bigger problems like murders and rapists and, and all kinds of stuff that's going on. And, and that's, kind of being pushed aside so that the court cases, the courtyard courts aren't being tied up and yet they're still pushing for this stuff. So that's, that's concerning. The right. fact that well, I'm charged. Yeah. I mean, yeah, so what exactly it, did, did, did they charge you with mischief as well? Yeah. I I've been charged with four counts. So mischief and I think, it, and, and I should have written it down or kept it in front of me. Mischief intimidation and then and then two counts of counseling an uncommitted indictable offense and counseling an uncommitted indictable offense offense what is so, yeah, the, what like is me. what is the indictable offense that you counseled somebody to commit that they didn't <laughs> uh, mischief the, the two other charges that I've been charged with so I I told people to be mischievous and in, intimidate people that's basically the, the 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 basics of it right so, I, I think this is part yeah. of the so you're probably well aware of the term lawfare right yeah where yeah. The, go- the government doesn't really have a case and they don't they, they don't really have anything against the people they're trying to accuse and abuse so they just throw all kinds of charges at you in order to get you to you know either plea bargain or negotiate down or whatever um, a lot of people like to say that, you know, Canada is importing Trumpism 
or whatever populist politics. But the thing that Canada has imported from the United States is this practice of lawfare where you just yeah. you, you the government just punishes people using the legal system because they yeah. actually they actually can't get away with can't get away legally with charging with the people with anything because there's no evidence for it. Yeah. And, and, and they, they can just, they use our own money against us. Right. Yeah. It, no, it, cause it's, it's yeah. yeah. The, the, the <laughs> yeah. government has deep pockets. They have yeah. the ability to tax you and they know that you have limited funds and that they can just drag it out for as long as they want and keep throwing money at it, no matter how ridiculous it is. And I mean, I use the term Kafkaesque a lot, you know, uh, the, the early 20th century uh, Czech writer, Franz Kafka uh, famously wrote this book called the trial. And it's about this guy who's hauled into court. He has no idea what he's been charged with or why um, the government's not forthcoming with any details. And he starts going a little bit crazy, you know, and, that's exactly like it's kind of what's going on with everybody involved with the freedom convoy. They're just throwing charges yep. at you and there there's just nothing. There's just no substance to the cases and it's pure vindictive baloney. And that's where it's a little bit sad that these judges aren't going, yeah, wait a minute. Um we we have more important things to tie our courts up with. Let let's let's move this case out of here this doesn't belong here right so well the judiciary um, in canada so the the issue yeah. is that oh, yeah. mo most of the judges are judges in canada are appointed yeah um, most of them have been appointed by the liberal party just because the liberal party's been around forever and they sort of usually run the show and the culture of the legal system is such that like a lot of lawyers end up in government uh, a lot of lawyers want to become judges and in order to advance your career, you sort of have to play ball politically, right? Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's a lot of lawyers that don't want to, you know, help you guys. You know, I, I write frequently on these four gentlemen being held prisoner in Alberta, uh, collectively known as the Coots Four. They have now yeah. spent nearly a million dollars and gone through 12 lawyers and gone nowhere, right? Yeah. And they were denied yeah. bail. Uh, by a lawyer in Alberta, appointed by the liberals, and uh, uh, the lawyer herself is a, or the judge herself, I should say, is a donor to the Liberal Party. You know, yeah. so like it's 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 corrupt as hell, and the judicial system has its own incentives that are not actually for delivering justice. Yeah, it's it's it. They have a system set up pretty well, and like you said earlier, so many of them are lawyers that are politicians that it's. You sometimes wonder, well, they do know how to work together, don't they? <laughs> yeah, work together for their benefit and not ours. Yeah, that's right. Right. So you have you have you have these charges pending, and you no idea when you're going to get a court date. Um, what what else is happening in your world, Mister Jonker? As far as this uh, the echoes of the Freedom Convoy go. Well, before I got charged, I was actually added to the big lawsuit, and um, Junker Trucking was as well. So that's that's another case that that's going on. And then I I do have a judicial review against the township here because when I came back from Ottawa, the uh, the township um, docked me a month of pay, 
And um, because I, I, according to them, I broke the code of conduct of a, of a politician and was, and participated in what was deemed an unlawful protest. And they blatantly just ignored like the, how the system works up here. Every township has to have a uh, integrity commissioner on call. And if any counselor wonders, okay, am I allowed to do this? Or can I accept, you know, can I go out for dinner with Gord without getting into trouble and, and Gord, whatever pays for dinner, is that going to get me in trouble? And you can call this co uh, integrity commissioner. And he said, no, as long as it's under $300, that's okay. So um, somebody filed a complaint against me with the township integrity commissioner and the integrity commissioner, who's a lawyer, um, investigates what I did and, and can decide um, that I need to be reprimanded. I need to, and then they recommend a month's pay or they recommend that I have to do this or that. So I, I'm dealing with that as well with the lawyer. And um, there's a lot of counselors up in Canada that are, are being um, silenced that way, right? Um, that if you question anything with the transgender mess, um, you're going to get a code of conduct filed against you and you better be quiet. If you, um, as a school trustee, speak out against what's happening in the schools with teachers teaching kids that uh, the whole transgender thing is okay, then, and if you speak out against that, so I got a judicial review to and hopefully that goes before a judge and the judge will say, yeah, there's something wrong with this code of conduct. Um, this, this is not right. Um, so you're kind of dealing with that. Those things, they're just ongoing cases and who knows when they're going to be before a judge, but that's, we're waiting on them as well. And then uh, other than that, life has um, been good. I've been uh, busy working, um, busy, um, uh, trying to raise funds here and there as well with events at our shop uh, with a bunch of ladies that have um, helped say, no, you, you need, you know, we need to raise funds for you guys. So we're, we're, we're always trying to do events to raise funds and whatever. And I actually um, just registered with the um, national, oh, I'm going to say this wrong, national prayer, world prayer network. Um, they do a uh, a thing in, in Washington, D.C., um, a, a gathering of prayer for repentance. Um, I'm wondering if I can actually find that for a second. And I've been invited to come down to your country there to uh, partake in that. So, yeah, always keeping busy and, and trying to have trying to get the truth out. That other suit, the civil suit from these people in Ottawa. It's hilarious how they uh, named you after the fact. What a coincidence. Um, oh, man, I don't know how they think yeah. they're going to draw blood from stones. Um, yeah. And that's another that's another vindictive thing, too. Um, and yeah. which is, it, and it's, it's hilarious to me that this Ottawa Citizens Coalition is trying to sue the Freedom Convoy Corp and you and a bunch of other people for, like, you know, their lives being interrupted by trucks being parked on the street and yeah. like the lack of self-awareness. What just happened yeah. to the entire country for the last couple of years? Like 
do we exactly. get to do we get to sue yeah. the government for that? Like, yeah, this 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 lawyer guy organizing it, this Paul Chump, Paul yeah. Gump, whatever the hell his name is, um, doorknob idiot in Ottawa. Like, I, I mean, he's really he's really taking the mech and um, having a having a go at reality itself. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just it's frustrating to see that there's always people that are willing to do what they're trying to do, right? That's what kind of always surprises me. But yeah, I, I think money talks and we get fooled into thinking, I don't know, it, you just kind of wonder what's going on there. But yeah, so I was I was added to the lawsuit um, and then I was charged, right? So that's even one of the things people are going, well, yeah, you're added to the lawsuit, so now they have to charge you. It, it just uh, It's just kind of weird, right? So, but yeah, and then... I run federally every time we have a federal election here. So I'll be, I'll be running again if we have a federal election and yeah, the Lord willing, I end up in uh, as a, as an MP in Ottawa and I can speak in the house of commons, but we've been trying to do that for the last four elections. It hasn't happened yet. Are you, but, are, are, is uh, Smithville part of uh, the same riding represented by Dean Allison? That's my MP. Yep. Has he been yeah. helpful or supportive at all, at all? He's been helpful. Yes. Yeah. Because like I'm, um, I'm, 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 I'm wholly, you know, I, I have very, very little time for the Conservative Party of Canada. Um, they're utterly useless, and you know, the the first three letters of conservative is con, and the Canadian Conservative Party are a bunch of con artists. I, I really, really don't like them. They were late to the party and supporting the freedom convoy, but like I am will I I am open to hearing that there's exceptions to my rule about what they're about. Yeah, and, and Dean's one of those exceptions. I'll just put it to you that way. We actually um, we always enjoy running against each other, but he's um, yeah, he's a man of integrity and and has um, been willing to to speak. A little bit, and and I I always wish he would speak more than he does. But um, yeah, everybody has their way of being things, and he's definitely um, yeah. He's, I, he's all right. I've I've yeah. I've a favor to ask you then, Harold. Um, yeah. Next next time you're talking to Mister Allison, let's uh yeah. let, let, let's test his integrity and maybe bring up this issue with the guys out in Alberta because um. You know, in a modern Western democracy, we're not supposed to have political prisoners, and that's basically what's happened with these guys in Alberta, the Coots Four, and basically radio silence about that at home uh, from the media and from all the politicians. And yeah. um, I think that's a stain on Canada that's going to uh, – I don't know if we'll ever be able to get that off ourselves, um, the, yeah. treat, the treatment of these men. Um, yeah. And if Mr. Allison – uh, is willing to stick his neck out and say something about it, then I he'd go a long way towards redeeming his party. Yeah, yeah, but uh, you know what a politician always says, and I'm not saying Dean would say that. He goes, "Hey, but you know we can't stick our nose into the judicial system." <laughs> Meanwhile, they 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 appoint the the uh, the lawyers, right, or the judges. So I don't know. It, it's just yeah, it's it's a weird it's a weird beast. In a lot of sense, yeah, it sure is. All yeah. right, Mister Mister Jonker, we've got uh, 
2024 coming up here soon. Christmas is coming. Um, maybe we should leave this on a positive note. Do, do you have a, any anything to share uh, with my listeners, um, many of whom are in the United States? Uh, my show is syndicated in Australia. I, I got kind of listeners all over the place. Um, anything you want to say to folks? Yeah. Um, looking forward to 2024. Um, but the weird thing is I was looking forward to 2020 for some reason. And that's when the COVID mess started. I'm a numbers numbers guy. I was born on a 20th. I got married on a 20th. So I thought 2020 is going to be a special year. I did not expect it to be that special in the fact that that it it went into a a spiral throughout the world of, of fear and and confusion and, and lies and deception. But, uh, I'm, I'm encouraged by, um, by the fact that, yeah, we have another year to look forward to and another day and another opportunity to, uh, to enjoy life here. But at the same time, we, we got to keep speaking out. We got to, uh, connect with our communities better and, and share, you know, the joys that we have in this life with, with people that are still living in this kind of confused world. And, um, yeah, I'm actually looking forward to uh, going down to Washington, D.C. on, on January 31st to the uh, Museum of the Bible and partaking in, in the National Gathering for Repair and Repentance um, with uh, with a bunch of congressmen. And I believe this I, I, and, and and a few other people there. I'm not sure how many different countries are going to be represented, but. Um, it's stuff like that that encourages me, right? That hey, there's still people that are still striving to get the truth out there, and 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 you you doing what you're doing, Gord, is is always good, right? You you, you mentioned Donna. There's there's so many organizations that are working at uh, helping the injured, vaccine injured, and the uh, and stuff like that. So there, yeah, it, it's. We live in a great country and in uh, a beautiful continent, and yeah, I, I'm looking forward to putting many more miles on the on the uh, highways and the interstates of the uh, these two countries. Because man, they they're beautiful. You go to BC through up in Canada into BC, and then we drop it and come down into Washington, Oregon, pick up nursery stock, and bring that across the uh, the Wyoming and 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 stuff like that, and and North Dakota. It just yeah, Pennsylvania, New York. We got a beautiful continent. We need to defend it. Right? Yeah, and, and yeah, be- be- beautiful place uh, run by gangsters. Yes, yeah, and we got to stand <laughs> up against them. So. <laughs> well, if you're if you're ever if you're ever down Ithaca way, Harold, you make sure you give me a call and uh, we'll have. A I, I know how to get there. Take the ninety, go down the ninety six. I've done a. I I used to pick up scrap cars up on the on a hill, just north of Ithaca. And, and and I remember coming down that hill and um, getting down to the bottom and 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 my knees were pretty shaky. I didn't. My dad's the truck that I I drove didn't have a jake brake, so the uh, the cars were pushing me pretty heavy. And um, yeah, so there's some good memories down there. I used to deliver to a lumber yard. You'd come down into Ithaca, and then you'd go back up the hill on 13 to i guess it'd be going east 
and there was a lumber yard. I don't know if it was an 84 lumber. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm familiar with the area. That's for sure. So. All right. Well, if you're ever coming yep. down, uh, let me know. Um, yep. This show will probably, I'm probably going to do a series of these shows. Um, I got a bit of a backlog of stuff I need to edit, but I'm going yep. to probably release this right around the second anniversary of the convoy. So it'll be probably about the same time you're fixing to head down to DC. I'll, okay. I'll, yeah. I'll, let, I'll let you know when it's live. Yeah. But, um, okay. Mr. Jonker, uh, thank you for joining the show and for being uh, of great service to your community and uh, being one of the best Canada has to offer. Thank you very much. No, thank you, Gord. Thanks for what you're doing. All right, man. Way of the road. <laughs>